It's word time. Indeed, it is word time. Going to be in the book of Luke, chapter number 11, verses 31. It's going to be our foundational text, Luke 22, 31. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, lift it above your head and somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Book of Luke chapter number 22, verses 31. This is a very familiar text that we've ministered from many times, but there was something that uh, fresh that God just put in my heart uh, that I felt led to share today. The Bible declares, and the Lord says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may, everybody shout, sift, that he may sift you as wheat. Jesus responds and he says, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Hmm. How many know it's a difference between falling and failing? You, you can fall, that simply means to stumble, but when you fail, that means you don't finish your course. And along the way, we will stumble, we will, we will falter, but how many know the race is not given to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, but to the one that, what y'all, endures to the end. So he says, you're going to fall, but I just pray that you don't fail in the midst of your fall. And when thou art converted, this is what I want you to do, Peter, I... I want you to strengthen your brethren. 33 declares, and he said unto him, I, he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice three times deny that thou knowest me. Father, now in Jesus' name, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity. God, to minister the word of God to the people of God. I'm hiding myself now behind the cross that men may not see. Give honor, glory to Greg. Lord, you know I'm absolutely nothing without you. I need your strength. I need you talking to me, speaking to me. Matter of fact, God, I need, if, if you don't hold me up, Jesus, I will fall and fail. So I thank you for your hand of righteousness, God, holding me up even now as I prepare to speak to people that you love. And because you love them, I'm very careful in what I say. So let the words of my mouth the very meditations of my heart. Let them be acceptable, God, in your sight. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. I want to start out here um, in the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 1. Um, Peter writes to a group of believers that he described as scattered. And the reason that they are scattered is because of persecution. Everybody shout persecution. So, I, want, I took the liberty to kind of help define what persecution is all about because this is what these believers are experiencing. It is hard times. It is harsh times for them. Persecution is defined as, watch this, to subject someone to hostility or ill treatment, especially because of their ethnicity, religion, or political views. Is defined as harassing or annoying someone. Now understand that these believers in 1 Peter that he's writing to, they're being persecuted because of their faith. They're being persecuted because they love Jesus. They're being persecuted because they are faithful to God. And some of you all know what it's like to be persecuted because of your faith. Even on your job, they pick at you. 
you in the break room and everybody quiet. They're like, shh, here she come, y'all. Some of y'all in your own family. Family reunions is, is wonderful for everybody else. It's torture to you. Because people persecute you. Oh, here go the little, little Christian, y'all. Look at her. Look at the little Christian, y'all. Y'all stop. And then they cuss in front of you, and then they lie talking about, excuse my French. And them jokers can't speak French. So they are experiencing persecution. So chapter number one, verses number one and two, he's just going to give an introduction to who he's speaking to. Verse three is where I want to pick up at. To believers that are being persecuted, he says something that y'all are throwing me out of your house for. He says, praise the Lord. <laughs> now imagine if I walked in your house and you was going through hell and high water. I'd be like, stand on your feet and praise God right now. Clap them hands. Shout, dance, right now. You be like, Reb, you better get up out of here. He says to the believers, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish. Let me pause there for a second. He says, I want you to praise God. Mm, how can I say this? How can I say this? I want you to praise God for what really matters. <laughs> so, so, so if you're being persecuted and you're being scattered, that means they, if they had a house, they lost their house. If they were in our time, if they had a car, they lost their car because you, you, you had to leave the area. They literally lost everything. But he says, watch this, praise God, because you might have lost the house, but you didn't lose your God. And if you still got God, that means you got peace. If you got God, you got faith. If you got God, you got joy. If you got God, you got the one who can restore everything that you lost in the midst of your persecution. Somebody, I wonder if we could just take three seconds and just praise God for being saved. Huh. Verse number five, he says, whom through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, everybody shout, though now. He says, though now, I understand, I'm feeling you, I'm feeling you. Though now, for a little while, mm -hmm. yeah, not forever, but right now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In essence, you've been going through a lot and I ain't tripping, I understand. But you need to know, first of all, it's just for a season and seasons change. But while you're in the season of testing, the season of trial, there is something that I want you to know about the season that you're in. And we're getting ready to pick that up in verse number seven because he's going to speak an encouragement as well as an enlightenment to them as to what God is doing in the midst of the trials, tribulations, and temptations that they're going through. Verse number seven, he declares, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He says, these, these trials have come. Uh, understand why, why they are here, why God allowed them, because God could have, how many, how many know God could have stopped the persecution? He could cut your enemies off like that. 
I mean, they could be standing in front of you, cussing you out, and their heart could stop just like that. So I want to know if you're going to allow me to go through this, God. There has to be meaning. There has to be purpose in why. He says, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though somebody shall refine by fire. So this is what Peter is doing. He's comparing their trials to the process of purifying gold. I want to highlight a commentary thought that speaks to this same idea. Um, The author says, Peter deliberately employs this analogy to say that situations of testings are occasions when God refines and purifies the faith of his people as precious metal is refined in a fire. So I wanted to go and make sure I understand what is this process of a refiner's fire? What is this all about refining gold? And so I went to Google, (laughs) and I typed in, what's the process of refining gold? Because the Apostle Peter says, this is what God is doing with your trials. He is calling, causing a refiner's fire to happen on the inside of your soul. So if that's what God is doing, let me understand what this refiner's fire is all about. And Google said... Another process that is used to refine gold involves the application of, somebody shall heat. Woo. Gold scraps are placed in a container. This container is then placed in a furnace, which is heated to almost 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, some of y'all trip when weather gets to 90. <laughs> in June, what did it hit, baby, like 100 or something? It, it, it got so hot in June, I was like, Lord, if you're trying to take me, go ahead and do it now. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand it. Well, it's just not, not 90 degrees. Come on, not, not 100 degrees. 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. The gold melts at such a high temperature, it is then, everybody shall transform. It is then transformed to another container, leaving the impurities and other substances floating at the surface. So when it comes to gold, when a refiner refines gold, there are two things that he's trying to accomplish. The first thing that he's trying to accomplish is to make the gold pliable to the form that he wants it to be in. And the scripture that declares that we're created, watch this, to be conformed into the image of his dear son, Jesus Christ. So when the heat really comes up, when the trials really come up, come on somebody, when the testing really manifest itself, you need to ask yourself the question, God, what are you trying to make me to be? Because 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit doesn't make sense if you ain't trying to transform me into something. 1,500 would irritate me. 1,000 would annoy me. But 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit around me, trials, tribulations, temptation. God, everybody shout, God, you must be up, up to something. So the first reason that the heat comes is to make the gold pliable so that the maker can transform it into what he desires for it to be transformed into. Here's the second reason that the heat is so hot. Because whenever there is a mixture of substances... God wants, everybody shout, God wants purity. Everybody shout, God wants holiness. 
So whenever there's a foreign substance in the gold, whenever the gold is heated, not only does it melt, but whatever that foreign substance is, it floats to the top. <laughs> I'm going to stay right there. When gold is heated, not only does it just melt, but whatever's foreign in it, whatever doesn't belong in it, it floats to the top. Here's my question. In your fire, what's been flowed to the top? Talk, talk to me. What's been flowing to the top? Has it been your pride? Has it been your anger? Has it been your jealousy? Woo! And what some of y'all are trying to do, you're trying to blame the people, watch this, that God is using. And God is saying, get your mind off of them and focus on yourself. Because y'all are saying, if you wouldn't have said that, then this wouldn't have floated up. But God says, no, nah, I wanted that to float up because I wanted to deal with what was on the inside of you. So when the gold is heated, the impurities, they float. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what's floating? They ain't going to tell you. They ain't, ain't going to tell you. <laughs> they probably look back at you and say, what's floating in you? <laughs> now, now watch this. When, when, when the Apostle Paul, and it's, it's amazing because in both of his letters, as he's writing, he always he always ties something he's saying to somebody else to what he personally experienced. Through, if you read throughout his letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter, it's like he'll lift out a principle that ties back to something that one of the gospel writers um, um, wrote about him. So in this particular text here, he's talking about this separation or he's talking about this, this, this refining process of impurities floating to the top. It points back to his experience with Jesus in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, 31, where the Bible declares, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Everybody shout sift. sift. Now understand, sifting is the process of separating. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the process of separating. And he says that the devil, now this, this is interesting, this is interesting um, because he says the devil, the, the devil, the devil, uh, wants to sift you. Why does the devil really want to sift him? Because the only reason something needs to be refined or something needs to be sifted is because there are two contrary substances together. So what is up with the devil saying, I want to sift you? In essence, the devil is saying, I see something in you that belongs to me and I want to bring it out. Oh, my God. I want to run right there. I want to kayak right there. I want to row and kayak at the same time. The devil says, I see something in you that belongs to me. And I'm tired of it just laying dormant there while you walk on water and you restore eyesight to the blind and you feed the little 5,000 with you. I'm tired of everybody seeing the good little you when I know the real you. And the devil says, I want to bring it to the top. Now, I want to highlight three, the three attitudes within the text. The three attitudes in the text. Peter's attitude is, you lying. You lying. I never deny Jesus. It ain't in me. That's Peter's attitude. The devil's attitude is, you lying. You lying. It is in you. Watch this. Here's the, devil. Here's the devil's attitude. And I want to make you fall. Y'all messing with me today for real. 
I'm finna, I'm finna. Y'all messing with me, I'm getting ready to mess with you. The devil says, I want to make you fall. That's what the devil says. Jesus said, I need you to fall. I'm going to leave. The devil says, I want to make you fall. Jesus says, I need you to fall. It's not until what's really in you comes to light will you be willing to deal with it. And I've allowed you to operate in my power on this level long enough with that in you. But for where I'm taking you, I'm taking you and not it. So if you won't deal with it, I'm going to expose it and let the devil do what he wants to do so I can accomplish what I need to do. The devil wants you to fall. I need you to. And some of y'all are tripping because of all the heat that's around you and you seeing what you're going through. And some of y'all don't slip and said a few words. You, you, you couldn't retract back. Some of y'all don't done some things. Some of y'all don't been some places. You ain't had no being. And you're like, you're like, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. But God said, no, mm-mm, don't you bury that. We're not just going to bury that under I'm sorry. Now that it's on the surface. Let's deal with it so I can take you where I want to take you. Can somebody say amen? So let me me show you in the text. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to separate you, sift you as wheat. He wants to bring out a fall on the inside of you. Now, Now, you would think if Jesus is the master, he'd be like, the devil wants you to fall, but I got you, Peter. I got you. I'm going to keep you from falling. But you know what he said? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. This is what he said. He said, but I pray for you that your faith fail not. He didn't pray that he wouldn't fall. He prayed that he wouldn't fail. Because there's a difference between falling and failing. Falling is I stumble. Failing is I can't complete the race. He says, you're going to falter, and you're going to fall, and I need you to fall. Because if you don't fall, then that that denial, that lack of faith, that thing that's on the inside of you, we will never be able to deal with it. And I'm getting ready to set you up for the day of Pentecost where you minister and 3,000 souls come to the Lord. And I can't have three, oh my God, I can't have you discipling 3,000 souls with that in you. You know what? I'm going to go to this side over here. Let me just talk to this side because they tripping over there. God wants to do something amazing in y'all life. Y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? I'm telling you, God wants to do something amazing in your life. The amazing thing that God wants to do in your life, he wants to use you to reach other people. He wants to use you to draw other people. He wants you to use you to lead people. You understand me? The question is, if he uses you and trusts you to lead people now, where would you lead them to? No, 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 no. Okay, so y'all going to act like that. Forget y'all. I'm coming back over here. I'm coming back over here. So if God going to trust you to lead people, then he's saying there are some detours that's on the inside of you that's not of me. And I need people not just to follow your public life. I need them to model your private life. Is your private life worth? See, y'all, forget y'all too. I ain't studying y'all. 
ain't saying y'all. Let me talk to y'all. The question is, is your private life worth modeling? I'm talking about the things that we can't see. I'm talking about in your bedroom, in your closet. Is your private life worth modeling? So Peter, stop tripping over the miracles because the gifts of God are without repentance. You can cast out demons. Come on, somebody. You can speak in tongues. You, you can walk in all of these wonderful gifts. But at the same time, there could be stuff on the inside of you. I know in my own personal life, in my own personal life, I, I tripped. I tripped at certain stages in my life. And I was completely surprised that I could say such a thing or do such a thing with the way God had used me. But I didn't understand God wanted me to trip, not because he just wanted me to be sorrowful, but he was saying, I want you to deal with what I've been looking at all the time I've been using you. But if I'm going to graduate you to the next level, let's go ahead and fell it out of your system so I can take you to the next level. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. So he says, I pray for you. Verse number 33. Look, look at Peter. Peter says, Lord, hold on now. I'm on G. I'm the one that got the revelation. Flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you, but my father. I'm, you, you know that them accolades you gave? John didn't get that. James didn't get that. Peter got it. So I want you to know, real talk, real talk. Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Jesus prophesies and he says, I'm telling you, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice three times deny that thou knowest me. Now, let's go to the text. Let's go to the story. Because Peter is still very confident at this. Matter of fact, I believe that's why he took off the soldier's ear. I believe that's why he took it off. Soldiers came to get you like, gee, I told you, G, I got you. <laughs> 54, they took Jesus, and the Bible declares, then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. 56. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. Somebody shout the fire. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. Now, now, now pause here for a second and let's, let's uh, recreate the fire. So I had my little show off where I cut off the man, man ear and Jesus, I don't know what it is. That's, I don't know why you did it. Why you put my man ear back on? I did this for you, Jesus. So they took Jesus, and we know the end, crucifixion. We know that. But between them taking him and crucifying him, they spit on him. They whipped him. They beat him. They publicly mocked him and embarrassed him. And after all of this, a little girl come up to him and be like, hey, y'all, I think he wanted them too. He looking at the spit on Jesus, the beat Jesus, the whip Jesus, the mock Jesus, and now this little girl trying to take me through this. Girl, I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know him. I don't know him. 
Now, now let's, let's pause right there. Let's not go to the other two right now. Let's just pause there for a second. And, and let's, 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 let's be Peter, but not be Peter. Let's be some of us. Some of us be like, you know what? If she wouldn't have came at me like that, I wouldn't even deny them. Lord, you know, it's the way she came at me. Don't be looking. Don't be coming. I'm from North Gulfport. <laughs> I'm from North Galilee. Don't play with me like that. Don't even come. Don't even roll up on me like that. Uh, Lord, I'm telling you, if she wouldn't have rolled up on your boy like that, I wouldn't have said what I said. You're missing the point, Peter. And some of my, my Petros and Peters and Petettes in here, you're missing the point. You blaming somebody for surfacing something that God needed to be surfaced. So this was surface. And this is why some of you all, it's challenging for you to go to the next level like God wants you to go to because you're so busy blaming a person that... When God says, don't worry about the person that, ooh, I used, deal with I allowed to be revealed. Let's go to the second one, 58. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not. <laughs> That's it, be nine. But an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with them, for he is a Galilean. The KJV says his speech, but you talk like one of them. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. 61, this is crazy. Jesus been beat, been spit on, whipped. And in the middle of his denial, after the third time, rooster crows and he locked eyes with Jesus. Sort of 61, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. Let's look at 62. And he went outside and wept bitterly. He went outside and wept bitterly. For the first time in Peter's life, he's actually now ready to be used. He's actually ready to be used because he's in a place of brokenness. His, his pride is broken. Let's, let's, let's look at David. David, after he fell with Bathsheba, it was a whole year he tried to cover it up. Had the man killed, married the woman. Everything is everything. Nathan the prophet comes to him, exposes him, and he realized that this thing was wrong. See, see there, there's a difference from crying because of your sin how can I say it? Is that right? Is that said? Okay, let me say it like this. It's one thing to cry because of your sin. It's another thing to cry because of the consequences of your sin. And some of y'all are crying just because you got caught. <laughs> you crying because of the pain of being busted. And now the relationships that are ruined and the opportunity that's now passing you by because you got caught. Peter ain't crying because he got busted. He's crying because he, he didn't even believe that was in him. But it surfaced. 
and he wept bitter, bitterly. David was in that same place in Psalms 51. I want to read, just extrapolate just a couple of scriptures. He comes to God and he says, have, everybody shall have mercy. Man, that's, that's powerful there. Because he says, I know what I deserve. Peter, Peter understands, I know what I deserve. I just, I just did not, ooh, I was nothing before Jesus. Does anybody understand that, that statement? Like real talk. <laughs> I was nothing before Jesus. And everything that I have and everything that I am is because of him. And the one that made me to be who I am today, I just disowned him. David says, I know I deserve judgment, but have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. He said, this, this is part. He says, don't, don't just hide that thing in me. Some of y'all, I'm, I'm challenging somebody else. Some of y'all, okay, with hiding. God said, I don't want you to hide it. I want to get it out of you. David says, I didn't know murder was in me like this. I didn't know adultery was in me like this. I didn't know lying was in me like this. I didn't know manipulation was in me like this. I don't, I don't need to just suppress this trying to be a good person. And that's oftentimes what we do. We try to, when, 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 when evil shows up in us, we just try to be a better person. To mascara or make up over the evil. But God says, no, 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 I don't want you to make it over it. No, I want it to get, I want it to be blotted out of you. David says, blot out my transgressions. Watch, everybody shout, wash me, Lord. He says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Six declares, desire, behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. I'm getting ready to help somebody. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. <sighs> Create in me a clean heart. My God. Man. I know what it's like to do a God thing with the wrong motive. I know what that's like. If God had to bust me, man, you're doing a God thing. I mean, what you're doing is really godly, but your motives ain't right. Because at the end of the day, I've been in a position where I did the good thing, and I said it was for God's glory, but really it was for Greg's glory. And the way I, I could tell that it was for Greg's glory, because when I was, what I was trying to do, when it failed, I was more upset about the embarrassment of how I look when it failed, as opposed to God not getting his will accomplished. I'm going to let that one just marinate right there. He says, everybody shall clean my heart, Lord. Clean my heart. Yeah, my God. My God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God, my God. Now, I'm, I'm saddened oftentimes because I, I see... And I hear the, the, the extreme teaching of grace, extreme teaching of grace. And I, I am a grace guy, I really am. I'm going to show you that next week. I, I really am a grace guy. But there's an extreme teaching of grace that in essence says God loves you so much, you can do whatever you want. Because he loves you like that. I mean, what parent really loves their child so much, you just let them do whatever they want? My, my wife and I, we had a, we had a um, young man we were mentoring years ago. And he had very little respect and very little love for his mom. Very little respect. And I'm trying to figure out, man, why you ain't, why you like this towards your mom? Why you like this? And, and I, I ain't going to name the name he used to call her, but it was very disrespectful what he called her. 
And he said to me one day, he said, you know why I like coming over here? Because y'all tell me what I can't do. He said, my mama let me do whatever I want. I can come in whenever I want. He said, I know y'all love me because y'all tell me what I'm doing wrong. So what, what parent say they love their child, but when you see your child getting ready to do something that's going to devastate their life, you don't say something? God loves you so much, he's not willing to let you stay the same. Everybody shall clean my heart, God. Create in me, in me a clean heart, O God, and renew the right spirit within me. 16, he says, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. He, and you know what he's saying in 16? He's saying, God, if I could write a check and pay you off, I would. But I can't. It ain't a check big enough to make up for the fault that I've, I've accomplished the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. Luke twenty two sixty two says, Peter went outside and he wept bitterly because he saw what was in him. He was amazed that he was able to do such a thing. I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. I'm like, God, what you, what you want me to do with this? Why, why, you, why you got me teaching this? Why you got me talking about this? And the answer that I keep hearing is, he wanted me to tell you, and many of you all's lives, it's not your haters, nor is it the devil, but God has been allowing the heat to get your attention, to come back to him. I've been allowing it. I've been allowing the heat. Yeah, that frustration, you feeling that attitude that you feeling, want to go off on somebody, want to do this and want to do that, want to kill somebody. <laughs> mm. I allowed it because I'm allowing something to surface because I want to deal with what surface. I don't want to, I want to cover it no more. He told the people of Israel for a season, I winked. I winked. Winked at what? Your transgressions, your iniquity. And I continue to bless you and I continue to use you. But now that season of winking is over. I feel both revival and renewal. Revival and renewal. Revival is for the lost. Renewal is for the believer. God not only wants to draw men and women to him, but he wants to renew and to strengthen the believer. But in order for you to go there, I got to deal with what's there. L let me just, don't raise your hand, but just think about it. Don't raise your hand, please don't. Don't raise your hand, don't stand up. Jeff finna stand up, sit down, Jeff. <laughs> I don't know, he finna stand up. Has anything been surfacing lately? Anything been surfacing lately because of the heat of trials, because of the heat of tribulations, because of the heat of temptations. You're an old believer. You've been saved for a while. But there's been some old things starting to resurface. 
Watch this, watch this, watch this. There is nothing that can come out of this bottle that ain't already in it. Nothing. There's nothing. If lying came up, it's because lying was in you. Cussing came out. It's only because cussing was in you. And whatever came out, God says, what you now see, I've been seeing. Now, now that's, 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 I'm going to pause there. Because isn't that a blessing? Because what it says to me, I really love you. I, I love, I love I, 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 got a, I got a close friend right now I'm having communi problems communicating with. I'm having problems communicating with him. Um, he's having some challenges. And as a friend, I don't like what he's doing. Matter of fact, I really hate what he's doing. I hate what he's doing. But as a friend, there are certain liberties that I have to, to get, like getting your stuff. I mean, you said I'm your friend and we, you know, we cool and whatever. So when you said that, you gave me liberty to get in your stuff. So, so how is it? How is it when I get in your stuff, you shut down? You be like, man, you just, you, we ain't even friends, man. You don't even, you ain't treat me like a friend. No, 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 no. Let's clarify. I love you. I hate what you're doing, though. Let's not get them confused. I love you. I hate what you're doing. My love for you hadn't changed based on what you're doing. If anything, my love for you makes me more committed to changing the stuff that's wrecking you, that's wrecking relationships. And all this time, God has been sitting there watching it, and he's saying, I love you, but I hate that thing that's in you. And you might not like my process, but I'm going to allow you to go through some tribulations and some troubles for what I see in you to surface to the top so that we can deal with it.